going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on a Thursday evening as the Los Angeles Clippers have fallen apart. They have lost nine of their last 11 ball games. It has been a disaster to say the least, and we are going to break it all down. It is me, Brandon Marcus, at BD Marcus, along with my buddy from Forbes, Shane Young, at YoungMBA on Twitter. The man, the myth, the legend. Frankly, I'm a little surprised that we were able to get Shane on the podcast after he got retweeted by ESPN's <laughs> NBA account. But a couple hours later, here we are. Shane, the man of the hour. How are you, man? I'm great, man. Always always better after your intros. Uh, hope you've been in well in L.A. despite the, uh, like you said, 9 out of 11 losses. It's It's been rough. It's been really bad. And it's funny because... The weird part for me, Shane, is that it really felt like Clippers Twitter, some of the most prominent voices on Clippers Twitter, really took a turn for the worst after that game against Philly. And it was weird because I was curious why that game, like what about that game is why all of a sudden everybody fell off the wagon. People who have been listening to this podcast know that I said a couple of months ago that we cannot consider this team an NBA Finals contender until they prove they can stay healthy. And that has just not been the case. And then, of course, I got sucked in for the couple of games where the Clippers got healthy and they looked good. And then, of course, you see Luke get hurt. You see PG get hurt. Kawhi is missing games here and there. And it's back to square one, it feels like. And I think now, perhaps it's just fatigue on the part of people who are covering this team that are they're finally throwing their hands up and I think they're tired of the Clippers getting their ass beaten by good teams (laughs) and so finally they threw up their hands like all right this team stinks I mean this is a disaster why do you think this this finally has turned the way it has and it's taken so long for it to take a turn like the way it has I would say because we've actually You know, it's actually tough because, you know, the Philly game, I actually agree with you. I don't think that it should have turned there because you're going to lose the superstar talent if they have 42 and 10, whatever Joel had that night, Mm -hmm. because Embiid is one of the you know five best players in the world, it seems. But that's all. That's an okay loss, uh, especially given the circumstances. But I think, you know, it, it should have turned a lot sooner because you have a stretch that where Kawhi's been healthy and he's been good. Like he's, you could even say he's been great. Like yeah. Kawhi has been great lately yeah. and you're still experiencing the disastrous losses, the ugly rotations, the j- just the disaster class that has been the season. You're still experiencing this with your best player on the floor. So I think that simply put is, is why we've seen the turn of like, okay, this team shouldn't even be considered top of the class of the West because they're they're getting pummeled despite Kawhi having you know 30 points on insane efficiency right and it's weird to me because like why wouldn't it happen after that home game against Atlanta where they yeah. lost by four and it was six losses in a row like it's weird to me that it finally happened after they had won two of three against Dallas and Houston and then lost to Philly in that game that you don't have Paul George. It was, it was just, I mean, you do have Paul George, pardon I, me, but um, and he's just coming back from injury. I don't know. It just it seems a little strange yeah. for it to turn the way it did, and it's gotten bad. I mean, like, it's now really toxic. All the Clippers podcasts, all the people mm-hmm. who cover the team, they've all basically thrown their hands up in the air saying this team just is not good. They're vastly underachieving. And it's true, but I feel like we've been talking about it this entire time. Like, whenever I have you on the pod, Shane, it's not really a celebration for this team. Uh, You and I have had zero positive pods. No, it it feels like we're we're either talking about the turnovers, we're talking about the offensive inefficiency, we're talking about the injuries. Because remember, I had you on very early on, and you were saying, let's not worry about Kawhi because he's on his typical return. But it turns out that the guy we really need to be worried about is PG and also just yeah. flat out the rest of the guys that are underachieving. It's, it's been a nightmare. Yeah, I, I'm not like I don't like the victory laps when it comes to uh, like availability and, and health and, and that yeah. kind of stuff. But like I, I do like the fact that um, people that were of, of the mindset that I was were right about Kawhi not being like I, I don't think, 
you know, th- that stuff early in the season, yeah. I'm glad that it wasn't indicative of something to come because he's been, he looks awesome. Like I have zero concerns about Kawhi's Kawhi Leonard's health next year and whatever you want to say, like, let's say they get into the playoffs. Um, let's say they get out of the play in, which that's, that's an uphill battle. It seems right now, but mm-hmm. let's say they're the sixth spot. Like, like I, I'm not concerned about him being healthy, the way he's moving out there. Um, so at least that early season stuff, when he was missing games because of you know the the knee swelling up or or uh, stiffening up, at least that is in the past. Now it's just about their their lackadaisical play and the defense slipping off of a, a cliff. And and really, man, I, I think when you get into the numbers, it's even nastier than. Well, I wouldn't say it's nastier than nine and uh, nine and or two and nine in your last eleven. Is that what they are? Yeah. I, I don't think it's even nastier than that, but but it is pretty ugly when you consider. Their, their metrics on both sides of the ball in non-garbage time minutes. So using clean the glass, non-garbage time in the last uh, month. So you, you go back to December 15th. That is 17 games worth of data. They are 24th in offense, which it, it, that, that's par for the course at this point, considering they're not a good offensive team right now. 24th in offense over the last month. And here's the kicker, 21st in defense mm-hmm. over the last month of play. Uh, that's not something you expected considering this team has been consistently top 10, you know, in the last couple of years. Yeah. And I mean, we were talking about it earlier in the season that what was saving them was the top five defense. Yeah. And it's, it's strange to say a team that has PG, Kawhi, Marcus Morris, Luke Kennard, Reggie Jackson, et cetera, struggling so much on the offensive side of the ball, but that's been the case all season. Like that has not been a, like one month thing. It has legit been since the start of the season where the Clippers offense is ranked at the bottom of the league, but the defense was saving them. And um, one thing is that my, uh, Matt Matawar, my co-host on this podcast, most of the time he was at the game against Philly. And he said, you know what? The Clippers didn't really play that bad in that game. It's just that Philly played better. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the main point here. Shane is that a team that was projected or picked to win the Western Conference by many and to be a title contender just has been really bad against any team that you can say is top four or top five in the conference, which is a major problem. And here's my question for you. How do you fix it? Because something needs to be done. Um, I think the biggest concern is the health. I mean, number one, you have to get healthy. You have to have PG and Kawhi on the floor together for a long stretch of time. And it was a good point made by Law Murray earlier, who covers the team for the Athletic. He said that you're about to see Kawhi and PG together for four straight games if they both can stay on the floor for the first time this season. <laughs> I mean, which is crazy because there's no back-to-backs. It's Friday. First time since the playoffs of 2021. I mean, even further away. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Friday against San Antonio, which is tomorrow. Dallas on Sunday. Tuesday against the Lakers. Thursday against San Antonio. And then you have a back-to-back the following weekend. So this is the first time that we have a chance to see PG and Kawhi together for four straight games. And not only is it big because it's four straight games of your two best players, but Shane, this is a stretch where they could easily win four in a row and -hmm. start to turn the season around after everybody's freaking out because this is the easiest part of their schedule. It gets really hard afterwards. So I am always, I'm always going to be like, or I always am team optimist when it comes to this team, just because I, I know what it looks like when, when they are whole. Mm-hmm. But I do have to say, like, I, I was talking about this earlier uh, with someone, you know, looking at their schedule. I'm actually not like, like I, I would swing the other way and say, while it's a huge positive that you're going to hopefully see these uh, these guys together for four, five straight games in a row. Um, it, Considering that they made the trip and they and they seem to be uh, you know clear to play, I, I I just think it's it's tough to to go on the road and, and you're already in a slump. You're already just absolutely horrific right now. Uh, one of the laughing stocks of the league because everyone just wants to pile on them uh, during this tough stretch. But I, I don't think you can just pencil in these wins. I'm not saying you did that. I'm saying like just anyone that looks at the schedule and says, oh Spurs. Oh, Lakers, who are under 500 as well. Like, I just don't. I don't think you can pencil on, pencil on anything with this team right now. And and I was saying, like, I I would not be shocked. And 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 really, I would I would even bet on this. I would bet on them being like four or five games under 500 coming out of the stretch. I think they end the road trip against Brooklyn on February 9th or something like that. The sixth, the ninth. Like, 
when you get done with this this insane stretch of road games that they have coming up and that they're on, like I think they're going to be further away from like the, the place in the standings than they are right now. And that, that's that's just because of, of the difficulty of the schedule. But I, I do think it is positive. I, I will agree with you and Law. I, I think it's a big positive that you're going to get these guys for hopefully this long stretch despite taking these losses. But as we've been talking, man, the losses – we're way past the point of saying these losses count like or that these losses matter like it started mattering in december <laughs> and now like we're at the tail end of january here coming up and um their seeding which i don't think matters too too much um i i just i don't see a scenario where this team is in or not in the plan matt our clippers right now are in the heat of it they are in the middle of a playoff run and right now, you and I are pretty optimistic. We think the Clippers have a chance to win it all. Are you putting money on the Clippers? I'm putting money on the Clippers, but I'm not. I'm, I'm hedging my bets, if that makes any sense. I do love the Clippers, but look, I, I can't just put all my eggs in one basket. No, you cannot do that. You can go and put money on a couple of different teams if you want. You know where you can do that? You can do it over at my bookie. Whether you think... The Clippers can come and win it all despite being a really early favorite and now falling apart, but then possibly getting it back together. Or you think it's going to be Steph Curry and the Warriors or Giannis and the Bucks. Regardless of what you're betting on, cash in and cash out quick with my bookie using the promo code ethos, E-T-H-O-S, ethos, when you make your first deposit. You heard that right. My bookie will spot you extra cash with your deposit, minimum $45, but you can claim the bonus all the way up to two thousand dollars you ready to get betting matt i'm putting 45 dollars at a minimum in because they'll claim the bonus all the way up to two thousand dollars i'm investing right now i got a i got a lot of ideas of what's going to happen now that the now that we're halfway through this nba season turn game day into payday when you bet with my bookie and i've said this entire season and i I think i've said it every single time on this podcast that if they they're in the play-in tournament they have no shot um, because you are going to put way too many minutes on Kawhi and yeah. PG um, early on, and you're screwed. And, and just to extend what you were saying, so the six-game road trip that goes from January 28th, it starts in Atlanta, goes to Cleveland, Chicago, Milwaukee, New York, and then Brooklyn, extends, like you said, until the start of February, February 6th. If you add in the four games where the Clippers are about to play, three of those on the road, then one in San Antonio, the Clippers have nine of their next ten as road yeah. games. And I mean, you... and they have not fared well in Dallas, you no. know, save for a couple of games here and there um, in the playoffs. But like they have not fared well in Dallas. It really feels like Shane at minimum, you need to go five and five in this stretch. And yeah. uh, and the way this team has been playing, you just wonder if that's possible. But when you have Kawhi and PG, certainly anything is possible. You just wonder mm-hmm. if they can do it. And it's been a true disaster. And I think. That kind of leads me into one of the questions that we got on Twitter um, was how ex- it was from Danny. How exactly do we miscalculate the team so badly before the season? What were we most wrong about that has been a big reason for the struggles this season? On paper, the pieces should be good enough to be a title contender, which is a really good mm-hmm. point, And it really feels like that's the case. So the question is, how do we miscalculate the team so badly? I think, in yeah. my opinion, number one, I think it's the health. I think that mm-hmm. we we assumed this team was going to stay healthy because frankly you can't judge a team based on them not being healthy but there are a lot of people and give credit to people like Dan Patrick um, who I listen to all the time and Bill Simmons who gets a lot of shit wrong but they said you know what can I see it first like I I, can we see it first and the Clippers haven't shown it and so they're right and so the question is what are we most wrong about Mm -hmm. I think that number one is that the team could be healthy and number two is that that the pieces would work and that the bench would be the reason that why the Clippers would dominate because the Clippers were so deep where at the end of the day right now, it feels like the Clippers aren't deep. Why is yeah. that? So I think uh, for me, it, uh, you know, number one, you could probably point to uh, what we got wrong was that I, I think we expected, I'll say the collective, we, I'll mm-hmm. just speak for myself. Like I, I expected Reggie Marcus and the mainstays, I guess you include Nico who's been good, but you know, I, I think we, it just expected the the mainstays that that were there for that you know run in 2021 to be at that same level, and I think they've regressed. Every, every one of those players, you know, I, I, people would argue with me about Nico, but I think 
you know, I think he was better a couple of years ago than he was now than he is now. Um, I think he was able to play longer stretches a couple of years ago than he is now. I just think Reggie, um, obviously John, I, I think I was right on that one. I'm not sure where you stood, but like I, I did not expect impact from him. I, I expected flashes and we've seen flashes, um, but not not big impact. But Reggie regressed. Marcus Morris, at least, you know, at least defensively um, has regressed. But that comes with age. I mean, that was probably to be expected. But I think when I say we got that wrong, I just think that in our minds, we thought you're adding Kawhi to a team that was already showing something and and didn't didn't really factor in guys on the roster getting worse. Um, Which, you know, that comes with age. That comes with uh, the lack of athleticism. And I think that's another thing that we didn't really expect. We I think everyone, if you put them on like a lot detector, I think they, they would say that, yeah, this team is not athletic. This team's not that athletic compared to the rest of the league. Um, and I think people like me and maybe other Clippers writers and, and, and podcasters thought that that wouldn't matter as much. And it has mattered. They just look slower than a lot of other teams. Um, I'm curious on your take on this one. I'm about to say, Brandon, I think the, the biggest thing though, that, that I kind of underestimated was that, Although there is no team, I guess you could say Denver and Memphis now are running away with it, but there's been no dominant, dominant team in the West. And we thought it was all going to be bunched together. And that's kind of how it looks right now. Um, I think the league collectively from top to bottom just got better and faster and smarter. And I think just just from two years ago, man, from when we expected uh, what, what, what we expected to see from the Clippers was that 2021 run reinvented. Um, coming back to life, I think the league is just in a better place. And you have teams like Memphis, who I know you remember a couple of years ago, like Memphis, even as a young team, was still giving the Clippers problems. Like it, it was, I think Memphis beat them four times or three or four times that year, um, a couple of seasons ago when Kawhi was healthy. And now they're even better. This Denver team's way better to me, in my opinion, than the bubble team that we remember. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like the West, although the the records are bunched together and no one's really standing out on historical levels, um, the Clippers stayed the same and, or got worse, and the rest of the league got better. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you because if you look at the teams that are at the top and you look at Denver and what they have with Jokic and Murray and Porter and Bruce Brown and, and Bones Highland, mm-hmm. I mean, and then you look at Memphis and Jackson and Morant and Bain Sacramento with Fox and yeah, and you remember New Orleans Sabonis. back in 2021 wasn't even a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, look at New yeah. Orleans. I mean, we knew that New Orleans was going to be tough. I mean, it's yeah. just, all it took was the addition to Zion, and then you had Ingram, and then of course guys like Trey Murphy have come into the fold and been really good. And of course they've got JV, um, and they throw in guys like Larry Nance, and then of course Dallas has Luca um, with Utah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Utah trades away everybody, but what they did was. They brought in athletes. I mean, they brought in Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah. They got a guy in Walker Kessler that's already probably as good as Rudy Gobert, um, the way he's playing right now. And you throw in other pieces around it, and then, of course, you have the Warriors, and that's why you see the Clippers right now as the eighth spot. So it really does feel like, and it's funny you say that, because I remember at the start of the season, I was going through the Clippers roster, and I was saying how basically everybody is over 30 years old. Yeah. and guys are Except th- Norm, right? What's Norm, 28, 29, I'm not, maybe? I'm not sure, but I feel like I was talking about everybody being like 32. Um, yeah. Norman Powell is 29, so he's almost at yeah. 30. It's just an old team, and so that's why people thought they are going to be good because they got these veteran presents. But at the same time, like this league and the NBA in general has just become so fast and so skilled yeah. and so athletic, and that's why you see the Clippers do so much better with Terrence Mann on the floor because he's the only one on this team, really, that has that juice that mm-hmm. and other guys don't have it on this team. So I think that's a really good point that we just underestimated. That's where we got a lot wrong. It was how good other teams are going to be because of how athletic mm-hmm. they're going to be and how fast they're going to be and how the Clippers are going to struggle with that. And that's part of the reason why their defense has been so bad because yeah. they're turning the basketball over against these long, athletic, fast teams, and they're giving up a lot of points. And it's it's, yeah. a, it's a nightmare. And you can also see just the body language um, from, I think, Visa Zubats in particular. Whenever he does his job or he feels like he's doing his job defensively and they give up whether it's a line drive or open shot, something of that nature. And he just looks frustrated. It's not like he, you know, it's not like pointing fingers, like, you know, there's locker room problems, anything like that. 
but it's just like, man, I do all this work. I'm our best defender um, by a pretty wide margin. I mean, I guess you say Nico and Kawhi, but but I mean, Zoo has has had so much of a workload. It's it's just unreasonable to expect that of him. And and I every time he does something body language wise, like mm-hmm. you know, shrugs his shoulders or shakes his head at a missed rotation or uh, an easy bucket that they give up, I just like I'm just like, yeah, he needs some help and in, in, in the form of a backup center. And I was. I was like, team, they don't really need to sign one or don't really need to actively care about one right now. Let's see how the wing uh, stop units look. <laughs> the problem is Ty won't play those units enough, uh, or he can't because of injuries. So, exactly. Yeah. That's so the if thing. that's going to be the case, then yes, you do need a backup center. Yeah, that's exactly the point, Shane, is that I was on board, all right, you don't need the backup center. You have Covington that you're going to play as the backup center. You have those guys, Batum and Morris, that you're going to play when those wing stop lineups but they haven't used them. And so the thing is, if you're not going to use Robert Covington and you don't plan on doing that wing stop lineup, then yeah, you need someone better than Moses freaking Brown. Like, I'm sorry. I said earlier in the season with Matt that he's a great fantasy guy when he gets 30 minutes a game on a team that has (laughs) 10 wins and he puts up 15 and 12 with three blocks. But that's not this team. Like this is an yeah. actual contender that needs a center who is not going to be the main focal point, mm-hmm. but can't bleed points on the defensive end and just not be very useful on the offensive end. The Clippers don't have that. And so that leads us into the next question because you and I can talk all we want right now about how bad this team can be or how bad this team has been. That leads me into Jonathan's question, part of uh, Jonathan's question where he says, what do you think are the two to three things this team needs to address, either via trade or internally, that this team is missing? So the question is, how does this team get past this? How does this clip, this team start winning? What trades do they need to make? And I think uh, I've been saying it, that they need a guy who's a stretch five. Um, I mean, a guy like, I mean, I don't even know who you bring in, a guy like Kelly Olenek um, from Utah. It, it, is, it is quite comical to me. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it is quite comical to me that, the best fit for this team would be like the 2020 version of Serge Ibaka. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like the, the guy that they thought they were getting before the back problems, that would be the perfect guy. Um, but yeah, like you said, Kelly Olenek, that, that that's not a bad option either. So that's the question. What type of player should the Clippers yeah. target? Because you have been very vocal about the Clippers not needing a point guard. And we have seen the rumors mm-hmm. pop up with Mike Conley. Um, Reggie Jackson and John Wall have been two of the worst players via Raptor, which yeah. uh, grades players on how they have performed. When you look at the point guard position, the Clippers are getting nothing of the point guard position, which is why Terrence Mann now has that role. So the question is, do you want a starting point guard that you want to bring in, or do you want to continue with Terrence Mann? Well, um, that's, and then also the question is, what, what other pieces do you want? Because you're going to start Marcus yeah. Morris. You're going to start, unless you want to trade Morris, start Batum, start Kawhi, start PG, start Zoo. Maybe it's a backup center and a starting point guard. What do you think are the most important pieces right now? Yeah, so I the whole point guard thing has been like, like I don't mind them going after a Mike Conley because because Conley's not the type of guy that um I'm trying to figure out a, a way to kind of compare. Like you know when they thought they needed Rondo a couple years ago. That was because like Rondo is going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to dictate the offense and and whatever you know, so on and so forth. That was the thought. I actually like the I like the idea of having Mike Conley on the roster, but just with the realization that when it comes down to crunch time, when when the chips are on the table, like the ball is going to be in Kawhi and Paul's hands, running pick and roll, running ball screens, uh, trying to get mismatches. The the whole point guard thing is just I don't think they need that guy that just a facilitator like to get them easy looks and all the cliche stuff that you hear all the time which is total nonsense because because what i always say is there's no such thing as easy looks in basketball like they, they got some good looks with rondo but they also <laughs> no one trusted them from deep i think john wall has just not been good enough i mean he, in theory his his archetype of, of a player is something that they would need but i don't think he is a um good enough of a threat in the half court to make defenses be honest uh, guarding him. And B, we're not seeing the transition stuff that we were promised enough. We're not seeing him push it enough. Um, so I, I think Mike Conley would be awesome for them and just stretches. Um, I, I don't know what it takes to get him. 
because I don't know. I really don't know what the market is for for anyone on Utah because it seems like they were going to sell everyone. Now it's like, what do you do if you're 24 and 24 and sitting outside or inside the play-in? That's actually nuts that they are not in the play-in. They are they are above it. Yeah. So I don't know what the price is for the Jazz guys, but but I think Conley is just. He would instantly, to me, I don't know how you feel, like he would be the smartest player on the team outside of Nico. Like when it just comes to like basketball and tangibles, I, I I would love that guy running stuff for this team or helping them get into their stuff a little bit earlier, a little bit quicker, which again is something that John w- was promised to do. But I don't think John Wall's done that. I, I think he's just kind of gone with the flow, understandably, I guess, but because it's, you know, it's a new team for him. But I think just Mike Conley brings that shooting i know he had a couple corner threes the other night we're just like man that'd be that'd be awesome if he could if he's still getting separation on step back threes whenever the clippers have nothing going on whenever Kawhi and paul are just stagnated that would, that would be pretty cool to have um so i think that that's fine anyone outside of like mike conley i just i i don't think they need a, a different kind of point guard i think he's the kind of point guard that would work um with the backup big yeah someone that can reasonably re- protect the paint and that, that won't get picked on every time down during his minutes. Because at that point, you might as well just play Rocco. You might as well just play Nico because they won't get picked on, that's for sure. Um, and then someone that can stretch it because they haven't had a stretch big and, and you know since Surge. But outside of Surge, when's the last time they had a, had a stretch big? Like it, it just never happened for them. I guess Jermichael Green here and there, but it just never happened. Um, so someone of that archetype. But yeah, I, it, it's tough. I don't know. I don't know how I personally feel about trying to get another wing because I don't know the wings out there that are available. Yes, you would love to have OG and Anobi on this team or someone like yeah. that. But but Jesus Christ, you're you're not getting that. Everybody right? wants OG. Yeah, you're not getting that. And and I said like uh, the other day to someone like the Clippers could try to throw the farm for a guy on Toronto, whether it's Pascal or OG. But guess what? You, they don't have the farm to give. <laughs> they do not have a farm to give. It's like a it's a pick. It's like a barren, it's like a barren field out there. Yeah, the Clippers have a, a draft pick, and they have contracts that teams may want to take off the books. Guys like Kennard and Morris. Um, yeah. So those are the only really pieces that they have. So they're not they're not going to get a guy like Siakam. No way. Um, they're not going to get a guy like Van Fleet. That's just not happening. And it, Conley's interesting because you look at Conley's last three games. You know what the Clippers' biggest problem has been on the offensive end? Part of it has been turnovers. Yeah. Mike Conley, the last three games, zero turnovers. So uh, you get a guy who can run the point that has experience. I think he's so smart. Yeah, he's just, he just knows what he's doing. And this month, he's averaging one turnover a game. He's shooting 46%. He's shooting 42.5% from three, uh, 90% from the free throw line. So he gets shit done for you. Uh, so, yeah, it's certainly an option. I, I think that the Clippers need – Either a point guard that is better than Terrence Mann. Don't bring in some other random point guard that's just going to be thrown into the mix. And then you need a center, like you said, that can stretch the floor. And that can be yeah. useful. And here's the thing, Shane. Whoever they trade for, trade for needs to be someone that Ty is going to trust and put in the rotation. Because I don't know what's going on this year. And that kind of leads into this next question. We can tackle it together with what we're talking about with the trades. It, everyone's asking about Ty's coaching. And... I'm not mm-hmm. going to sit here and put the blame on Ty for most of what's going on. Has he made mistakes? Yes. I think he, when he was asked what's Terrence Mann's role, and he said, I don't know. Oh, I was that, there that night, and it was it was not a good mood. No, that is not the right thing to say. So that certainly is a strike in his book, that he didn't know how to answer that question. He didn't know how important Terrence Mann was to his team, despite what he's done. But apart from that, it is very difficult to coach a team when your star players are in and out of the lineup, mostly out, and you have other guys that aren't playing, and you can't figure out these guys' roles. But I think where he has messed up is Terrence Mann and Robert Covington. I think managing those two guys' minutes has been his downfall this year, but the Mm -hmm. rest of it I'm not going to chalk up to it being his fault. You want to know what I kind of think? I don't know know if this take has been circulated, but like what I think kind of threw off this team, I guess this goes to our first question that we answered, but – and I don't know why last year wasn't a problem. It seemed to fit fine. But, like, I think Norm's – I think Norm Powell's integration into mm-hmm. the Clippers has kind of just thrown off everyone. And the Wait. way – the reason I say that is because, in theory, wasn't Norm supposed to be the downhill attacker? Wasn't he supposed to be the juice guy? Yes. Wasn't he supposed to be the guy that gets things done whenever it stagnates? 
Yes, yes. And, I mean, and, that's what we thought we saw last year in, in the small yeah. burst that he had with the Clippers. And he's been awesome in stretches, but we haven't seen and, – and this, to me, I'm, I'm writing about it currently for uh, this, a couple of days or maybe tomorrow, but, like, this is the biggest stat of the entire Clipper season to me in, in a nutshell. You know how many minutes Kawhi, Paul, and Norm have played together? Zero. 35. Yeah. It might as well be zero. Yeah, that, like, I don't get it. That is your three best players. Um, I, you, you could argue Zoo, but like yeah, that's your three best players. And a lot of that's injuries. Norm kind of had his stretch going on whenever Kawhi had the ankle injury. He had a really good stretch. One of those games in Portland, I believe. Um, Paul's been out, and, and Norm's been playing with Kawhi in stretches, so obviously you don't get any minutes there. But if you can get your three horses on the court at the same time, this is what happens. And I think whenever Norm is available and, and these guys are available, then you want to see what Terrence has uh, with some downhill point guard abilities. Then when, you know, it, it, it's just been like you haven't been able to get enough minutes with your best guys. And a, a lot of that is on tie. Um, because if we don't start seeing like if that if that trio doesn't get 100 minutes together before the All-Star break, like especially with Paul coming back next game, it, it, it's just a catastrophe. It's a catastrophe. Um, we were as a collective, we, we were promised like lineups that are going to optimize Kawhi and Paul. And, and that's the guy to do it. Ter- Terrence and Norm are both guys that will optimize Paul and Kawhi. And we haven't seen nearly enough of, the, of any of those together. It's weird. So if I were to give you a blame pie and you could put a health, offense, defense, and Ty Lu as the four mm-hmm. things, where would you put the percentages for those four items? Well, j- j- you know, without doing the math, I'll just in yeah. order, yeah. I'll go. I'll go one health, two, tie, mm-hmm. three, offense, four defense. That's where I would go. And the reason I put Ty second, despite I'm and I'm the one, I'm raising my hand off camera. I'm the one that was like defending Ty in December, saying like, it's laughable to me that you are that people are going coming for this guy's head, and and I still think it's laughable to call for his job because he's still got what two or three years on a contract, I mm-hmm. think, and like like we've seen the goods of what he can produce, but it's it's more than fair to criticize what he's done this year especially given the Rocco stuff, which was inexplicable. And he's playing now, and he's been productive. Um, so that tells you right there that it's inexplicable. So I'll, go, I'll put Ty second on that blame pie. And really, um, something I've been wanting to get into as well, I'm curious what your take is on it. I, I just think that this offense could could benefit from more more movement. And I know that's not how, that's not how Ty has historically coached. Like Cleveland didn't have a ton of off-ball movement. They played the matchup hunting stuff, and it worked perfection. But guess what? You had the greatest player of all time <laughs> to, to do that with. And you had, uh, I don't know, maybe one of the five or six most talented ball handlers and, and creators of all time next to him and Kyrie Irving. You don't have that with Kawhi and Paul. You have really, really good superstars, but not to those levels of creation. So you do need to make up for it on the back end. And we had to meet to be honest, man, like that's the one downfall of Ty's offense. We haven't seen the off ball magic. We haven't seen it. And you can look at the standings and see that the Clippers are only half a game back of sixth. So it's not too late. Yeah. Despite all of these downfalls this season, whether it be the injuries, whether it be the offense, the defense, Ty's coaching, like Ty has a chance to turn around and it's not going to be easy because the opponents are difficult. But you can do it starting right now. Like these four yeah. games, if you can somehow go three and one or four and zero, oh, which seems unlikely the way the Clippers are playing, but if you can somehow go three and one or four and zero, oh, all of a sudden you get this team thinking that they're one of the best again, and mm-hmm. that would and you be... have to pick up wins against like quality opponents. Like yeah. like you have you have to beat Memphis when they come into your home when they come into the stable or right. whatever or crypto. Like whenever that happens, you have to beat them. Yes. you have to prove to yourself that that you can beat New Orleans. Get New Orleans. New Orleans has had their number. We know that. You and I both know that they've had their number, yeah. top to bottom. Um, so is Memphis. You have, to, you have to smash the Mavericks. You know. Which they did, you know. Kawhi was Kawhi looked awesome against Dallas the uh, to to kind of start this to kind of start his uh, thirty point stretch here. But like, you have to beat these teams that are ahead of you convincingly. 
Yeah, and, and the question is, can they do it? I mean, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to read you right now, really quickly, the wins the Clippers have this season. Lakers, yeah. Sacramento, Houston, Houston, San Antonio, Cleveland, Lakers, Houston, Detroit, San Antonio, Utah, Indiana, Portland, Charlotte, Washington, Boston, which is where everyone really started to think this team yeah. was good. And this is that's where I was started started to kind of flip back and say maybe this team has a chance. Minnesota, Washington, Charlotte, Detroit, Toronto, Dallas, Houston. A lot of bad teams in mm-hmm. there, along with a couple of good wins. Sacramento's a good win. Cleveland's a good win. And um, that Boston I, game was And I think at win. Toronto, it, like during that stretch, yeah. although Toronto has a tough record, like like winning at Boston and at Toronto, or not at Boston, but winning against Boston yeah. and at Toronto, like the, that's what I talk about when I say they we've seen glimpses. During those games, especially with Kawhi on the floor, you see glimpses of like, that's a title team. that That's a chip team. And then they completely throw it away and get blitzed, uh, you know, by 40 points. You know, that's just that's been the type of year it is. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. And you wonder what's next for this team. And I said on the last podcast that the Clippers need to make a move and they need to do it now because I don't get this whole waiting until the deadline. Uh, It doesn't make sense, especially with this Clippers team that has taken forever to try and get everybody on the floor together and try Mm -hmm. and mesh. Like if you are going to make a trade. You have to do it now. I will be very upset if the Clippers wait to make the trade until the deadline and then have to incorporate a big piece in the final, what, 30 games that they have left. I mean, the Clippers only have 21 games, I think, after the All-Star break. So if you're going to go and wait until, let's say, February, I think it's February 9th is the deadline, then all of a sudden you have three games before the All-Star break. So that's 24 games that you'll have to incorporate whoever it is. That's not enough. Um, and so I think if you're going to make a trade, you got to do it now. Yeah. And, and it really stings because like you, you would think, okay, th- this offense is in, in shambles. Let's try to get them some shooting. Cause you know, they, let's try to get them some creation, but it's like Luke, Luke Kennard, he's also been absent for, for a long time. It just, it feels like it's been decades since we've seen him play consistent minutes, right? Cause he's been hurt. Um, I think once he's back and playing with Kawhi and Paul in certain lineups, then the offense will look competent again. It just, man, it always goes back to the health anytime we're on this pod together. Like, right. you want to sit here and bash what the team has done, and and then they they fool you and trick you with a three game stretch. Like, for example, Luke Kennard could come out and 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 torch the Lakers like he always does because they can't seem to, uh, you know, uh, stick with him off the ball. And then we're we're looking at the Clippers' offense like. Oh, things are fixed. Like Kawhi and Paul, good playmakers. Don't need a point guard. Um, and it's it just fool's gold because then they go on the road and then and, and things go haywire. So yeah, man, I'm I'm with you. A, a deal of some sort. And I, I've always been the world's worst when it comes to trade machine stuff. I don't ever get on the trade machine like mm. like literally once a year. Um, that's just not kind of what I what I like to do. But so I don't really know answers, but. I do know if, if you go past the deadline with this team, you, you you can already bank that Kawhi and Paul are missing more time. It's going to happen. They're going to miss more time this season. Um, it's just a matter of when. So you kind of have to safeguard yourself against that. Yeah, and I think it's just unfortunate how bad the bench has been also this season. Yeah. I mean, you look at the second quarter and how the Clippers get their ass kicked in the second quarter every single game. And we thought for sure the Clippers would be so deep, whether you look at the before the season, you look and you said, okay, Norm Powell, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, Terrence Mann, John Wall, like this team is going to be deep off the bench. But then you look at the game against Philly and it's like, okay, Batum, Norm Powell, and that's about it. it, it and yeah. that, that kind of tells you the state of this team. comes where, down to the youth, in my opinion, when it comes to the yeah. bench. The bench is good by name and by talent, but yeah. if you don't have the youth to get your offense in rhythm and get to the rim, and it's not about finishing at the rim. It's about forcing those rotations, getting the defense moving. It, what, a lot of times when you watch the Clippers, the, the, the opposition is just standing there like, you know, they don't have to do anything. They don't have to work. Um there's just not a lot of screen action being set. Like there's just not a lot of North to South action. And man, a lot of that is the age of the team. And it kind of raises the question, like if it's not in 2023, uh, 
to make that finals run to make that deep playoff push. Um, I'm sorry, but like, you can't sit here and tell me 2024 will be better. No, it, it can't be. I think that we thought the Clippers were going to save themselves by bringing in Norm Powell and Robert Covington and getting two guys that were going to be crucial off the bench. And Norm Powell was hurt for part of the season and Robert Covington can't sniff the rotation. Mm-hmm. It just, it doesn't make sense what's going on with this team. I feel bad for Reggie too. Yeah. And, and Reggie like, Jackson, of bad. course. Yeah. I mean, he was huge. He was Mr. June for the Clippers, but at the same time, like you, and I said this on the thing on the last podcast, one before it, <clears> that I agree with you about the part with Reggie that I feel bad for him because he was used so much early on in the season with PG and Kawhi out that I think he was just run down and you saw he got hurt. And that's my fear now is that you are going to end up having to ride this starting lineup because the bench sucks right now. And you're going to see Marcus Morris and you're going to see zoo and you're going to see Terrence Mann. those guys get the wear and tear. And you wonder what might happen to them if they continue to get used the way they do. And are they going to have the same energy that you would want them to have? Is is Kawhi Leonard still going to have that same juice if you go and run him out there for 35 minutes a game? Is Terrence Mann going to provide that lift that he always does if he's being used 35 minutes a game? Like, I just don't think that's possible. And then they've already talked about how Zoo perhaps is slipping a little bit defensively because he's playing so mm-hmm. many minutes. So the Clippers have to figure something out. I mean, they got to bring in, if you could, they brought in two guys in Covington and Powell last year. If you can somehow swing a trade like we've talked about for Conley and Olenek and figure that out somehow, which I feel like is going to be difficult, then that's a trade I think you need to do. And all of a sudden you bring yourself in a backup big and you bring yourself a starting point guard and you've got yourself a possible title contender when healthy. Yeah. And, and I I think what a point you made a minute ago about like, they still have time. It's a good, it's a good point because um, you look at the nets, like we're not expecting this Clippers team to win 12 straight games and, and rise a second in the Western conference. I think that ship has sailed, but like, it, it is never too late um, until you get to like after the de- after the All-Star break, which, you know, the Clippers will only have, I believe, 21 games left yeah, yeah. after the All-Star break, which is just lunacy. Um, it, once you get to that point, yeah, it is too. It is probably too late. So you have to put it together now. And, you know, I, I guess I'll just ask you if they are, let's say I'm trying to look and see how realistic this is um, in terms of gains back. If they are ahead of Dallas. And, and and so say they enter the playoffs as the fifth seed, and they're playing either Sacramento or New Orleans. Do you have faith that they make a deep run? <sighs> Just if, if Kawhi and PG are healthy, I think there's a yeah, chance. Yeah, and, and your chance. first round matchup. Yeah, and, and they're healthy, and your first round matchup is literally yeah. uh, Clippers at Kings to start the playoffs. Yeah, I think they certainly have a chance. It's just about getting in. And like we've talked about, avoiding that play-in tournament and avoiding those extra minutes putting on PG and Kawhi because you know those guys are going to end up playing 40 minutes in yeah. those in those one or two games. And that immediately puts you in a really bad spot because you're going to have to go every other day mm-hmm. starting in the play-in tournament as opposed to ending the season um, when the Clippers do, which is going to be on a Sunday. And I'm assuming the playoffs will start that Saturday. So instead of having that Sunday to Saturday break, you're going to end up going Sunday to Wednesday to Friday to Sunday like that. It's it's brutal. You you, you mm-hmm. need to avoid that at all costs. I I think for me, I, I still like I'm not completely off the off the ledge that they can't make a run. I, I think they can. I think they could represent uh, the West finals and be there. My thing is that would be the ceiling. I, because I think there's two teams, maybe three. Um, I'm kind of iffy on the third, but I think there's two teams for sure that they can't beat in a playoff series that I would pick against the Clippers. Uh, I think Denver. I don't think they can beat Denver four out of seven. I think they just don't. They don't have the weapons. They don't yeah. have the tools to stop those guys. I think they can score with those guys, but like no, you're not stopping Jokic. Not now. Um, I I think Memphis is way too fast. Yep. Way too fast and way too hungry. You cannot beat them. Yeah. Four out of seven. Yeah. I'd be shocked if I think Memphis would win, would win in five. <laughs> I just think they would. I think um and I think Golden State, you know, despite them being you know what one one under five hundred as well, I don't think that matchup fares well for the Clippers at all because they can't uh, deal with those kind of guys, those kinds of explosive guys. So, the everyone else, I think they could beat four out of seven, and that's why the Western Conference is weird. Well, Shane, look what you just said. 
you just said the Clippers can't beat three different teams. And we started this yeah. podcast by talking about how the Clippers have underachieved. They went from yeah. being a title contender to one of the one of the favorites in the Western Conference to you saying they can't beat three teams. I mean, if that's the case, then you got to look at yourself very hard in the mirror during the offseason and try and figure out what trade you can make then. Like, does that mean, is, is it time to break up Kawhi and PG? Like, what needs to happen? You definitely have to look at it. I I'm, I can't get there yet because it's No, of like, course. You need to see what happens yeah. this season. Yeah, And I, I don't blame you. I mean, there, there's no point in even discussing Meanwhile, that. Meanwhile, you have the Bill Simmons people who are just, yeah. they demand that, that Paul gets traded now. You, <laughs> like, you, you can't do that. On. You don't know who's going to, what's going to happen in return. I mean, yeah. the, I think the biggest issue with all this, Shane, and I think part of the pressure is that because SGA has had such a good season, there's even more pressure uh, on the Clippers right now because of the trade they made to get Paul um, yeah. and trade him away. Like if, if you would have somehow gotten Kawhi to commit without having to trade away SGA, which probably was never going to happen, then you wonder where the Clippers could be. But because yeah, SGA you is talk bit, about You talk about rim pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you talk about SGA and a guy that can get to the hoop and create his own shot and rack up steals and blocks. I mean, and as long and athletic, I mean, that's that's the guy you want. And yeah. because he has been as good as he is, there's even more pressure on the Clippers to win now because that trade is looking really bad. I mean, obviously the Gobert trade is probably going to end up as one of the worst trades we'll see. But the, the PG-Kawhi trade, the way the Clippers have performed, I mean, listen, they got to their first ever Western Conference Finals. So that's certainly a tip of the cap to them and certainly something that is a che- that's a nice achievement. Yeah. But you, you got those two guys to make it to the NBA championship, and that has not happened. What's also, like, hysterical about this conference, man, is that, like, we're, we're sitting there looking at the Clippers and, and the teams above, but we're not really looking at below. Like, Portland and Phoenix can pass them. Like the Clippers have one more loss than Portland and Phoenix is tied in the loss column and they're uh, winning at halftime right now. And, and Booker will come back. Cam Johnson's back like the Suns and they've beaten the Clippers twice. <laughs> Who, who's to say the Suns aren't better than the Clippers right now? You know, like who's to say they won't finish ahead of the Clippers. It, it's kind of just a disaster all, all around. Yeah. And, and it's just, I have uh... no idea if I had to guess where this team finishes. I'd say right where they are, eighth. Yeah, I think that I think that's a pretty good estimate. I, I think yeah. these next four games will tell us a lot about this team. I feel like I'm talking about that every single podcast I'm on. Oh, I'm like, yeah, right. we say that every I'm time. like, all right, the next three or four games will tell you a lot about this team. But, I mean, this really truly feels like this four games. Like, these are four winnable games. And then you go into an absolute gauntlet before the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't win three out of four in these next four games – you're cooked and you very well yeah. could see yourself as like the 10 seed. And I said this last podcast and, it, and now it's funny because people are now starting to say it. The Clippers can make fun of the Lakers all they want, but they're turning into the Lakers. I mean, and guys that mm-hmm. have, they have the stars that can't stay healthy and they underachieve. And that's right now where the Clippers are. So it feels like a trade needs to happen. And the reset needs to start against this San Antonio Spurs team, and a trade needs to happen ASAP. They need to bring in a guy that can back up Zoo if you're not going to play Robert Covington, and they need to bring up a guy, bring in a guy that's going to be a ball handler to help this team um, along with Kawhi and PG. But again, it all starts with the health of Kawhi and PG. If those guys yeah. are not on the floor, it doesn't matter. These next four games, if they can stay on the floor, perhaps we see what this team has. Um. I don't know if you did you have on your bingo card once the Lakers started like oh and whatever they were and shooting ten percent from three. No. Did you have the Lakers on your uh, Lakers are going to have a better net rating than the Clippers at nope. this point in the season? Nope. <laughs> did I have the, that the Lakers would be two games back of the Clippers as we sit here on January nineteenth? No, no, I did not. Oh, I did man. not. It, it's been a disaster, um, to say the least, and. We'll see. Like we said, they have time. That's the one benefit of the Western yeah. Conference being as bunched out as it is, is that you have time. Um, but it needs to start now. I mean, we talked about this at the start of the season. What, when do you want to see Kawhi start to really play and, and be that guy? And you said, I kind of want to see it towards the end of November, December. And so he has flipped the script over the last month. He has yeah. been that guy. And now here we are in the middle of January where the Clippers need to start showing that they have a chance to be a contender. 
and it starts with these four games. They need to win at least three of four, and then they need to show they can beat some good teams on the road. And if they can't do that, then, yeah, you can basically ticket them for uh, the play-in tournament because you're just going to fall into the play-in tournament just by chance because you'll probably Mm -hmm. see teams like Portland, like the Lakers, the Spurs, the Rockets. I mean, the Lakers could make a move. Listen, if the Lakers make a move, the Suns get Cam Johnson and Chris Paul and Devin Booker back, it's possible the Clippers can fall out completely. It's unlikely, God. but it's possible. I mean, you look right now, the Thunder probably will fall off, and yeah. Minnesota but, may fall more. I mean, but you don't. You only have the Suns that can jump you, and then maybe the Lakers, and all of a sudden you're out. What do you think? I guess last thing for me, like, yeah. What, what do you think, Steve Ballmer? What's going through his mind? <laughs> I think he's beside himself uh, that he has thrown as much money as he has to this team and has committed as much money and is so far into the tax. And this team is under 500. Like he has got to be disappointed, but I think he knows that the health has been a major issue, but because he's all in and it, it feels like he knows that a trade needs to happen, but then it kind of goes to a topic that I don't think we need, even need to broach on this podcast is, is everybody on the same page? I mean, is the owner on the same yeah. page as the front office, as this, as the head coach, like, is everybody on the same page? It felt like they certainly were the last couple of years and who knows if they are now. Yeah. But, and, and we, yeah, we won't, uh, we won't approach that in terms because yeah. we have no idea. Exactly. But, like, I, but it is, they, I will say this: they have tried a coaching change, and the next thing to do would be change higher up positions, yeah. except for the coach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can talk about that once we get to the offseason. Yeah. There's no point in even discussing it now, like you said. So right now, the Clippers 23 and 24. Shane Young at Young NBA on Twitter. Always a blast having him on. I look up, and all of a sudden, we've been talking for 50 minutes. It's insane. <laughs> you and I certainly just find a way to just talk Clippers. And it's so easy and so enjoyable. And all. Do, do we need so a quick. counter on the I word know. health on this podcast? Oh, Let's have a counter. God. I know. What are you What are you working on right now? Apart from <laughs> uh, the huge. Yeah, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing something Clippers about how their disarray will uh, be out soon um, <laughs> before they go on this gauntlet uh, because it's just been a disaster. But other than that, yeah, just getting things ready for picking all stars. I normally pick all stars around you know the 25th or something like that of this month. So. Uh, I can't I can't remember another year that's been tougher, dude, because yeah. no matter what, you're going to hurt people's feelings. No matter what, like four or five guys are getting cut and it sucks. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Giannis, Jason Tatum, like trying to figure yeah. out the East and then the Western Conference as well with the guards. I mean, it's it's crazy, but we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's just it's an all star team at the end of the day. It really doesn't matter. I mean, these guys are all going to oh, make yeah. it, I mean, whether they're starting it, 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 or the reserves. Fan bases are going to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all that matters. So Shane Young at Young MBA on Twitter. I'm Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus, the Ethos Clippers podcast at Ethos Clippers course you rate and review the podcast always helps as we try to continue grow this podcast with guys like shane young coming on this show so we are recording this on a thursday next up the clippers play friday in a very big game against san antonio that's tomorrow and then a game sunday and that is now 11 30 tip um, so we'll be most likely recording after sunday's game to recap that san antonio dallas texas two-step so until next time he's shane I'm Brandon. Have a good one. And guess what? Not go clips, but get a freaking win clips. <laughs> <laughs>